coming up on this fine, upstanding, if somewhat highbrow, automotive news channel. The top 10 things the car industry did so far this month, which might have escaped your attention, with its trousers on and appropriately zipped this time. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap. For buyers here in Australia. Website for that, obviously. Or you can just click the card that's, you know, up there now, dude. Not gonna lie, I do rather enjoy it every time someone clicks my card. Now, Imagine for a moment if there were a TV news channel that did news like this. People might actually watch. And for sure, there would be far fewer ads. First up, the FCAI, the car industry's grubby little barrow pushers in Canberra. They've taken another swing at the aftermarket parts industry. Like... It's getting so predictable. You would not buy a knockoff parachute. Don't get stitched up. Don't buy knockoff parts or allow them to be fitted to your car. Insist on genuine parts. Stitched up with a knockoff parachute. Yes. I see what you did there, T-Dub. Did you all sit around at a table and have a meeting to approve that one? I bet you did. T-Dub there, the body rockin' MC and barrow pusher in chief for all of the car industry's grubby little anti-consumer agendas. Someone has to do it and thank fuck not me. Meanwhile, in the domain of facts, I'd retort that there's absolutely no evidence that genuine parts are any better or worse than quality aftermarket parts. Like, there's just not. But one thing is certain. The parts market needs quality aftermarket parts to prevent T-Dub's members, the car importers, from enjoying a monopoly on parts and thus dragging you even deeper into the ankle-grabbing room every time you need a widget for yo-prized shitbox. I'd further helpfully suggest that the way for T-Dub's asshole members to sell more genuine parts is simply to make the pricing of said parts less extortionate. There's a thought. And I know I speak for a great many of us when I say... It's quite okay with us, T-Dub, if you choose to go out and buy a knockoff parachute. Dude. <laughs> Approved. Watch that first step. It's a doozy. There's a good chap. T-Dub will be back later on in this intellectually stimulating news bulletin. He is a newsmaker. There's no two ways about that. But first, building site bogans across Australia are having little uplifting trouser teepees this week as Ford prick teases the specs on the upcoming Amarok Ranger. Joined at the hip, but obviously built in different factories. Happy to sign the contract. They just don't want to be seen together in public, obviously. This is all ahead of actually being able to order a new Ranger next month. Seven more sleeps to 
April Fool's Day, marking the month when Ranger ordering kicks off. Yes, it seems oddly fitting to me. Even more titillating, perhaps, the three-litre V6 diesel with its awesome 184 kilowatts and 600 newton metres. It's go for Dingo Piss Creek Ranger insertion. Yes. At least, it is on dual-cab Ranger variants, as I understand it. And this vehicle is not quite as shit as the outgoing Ranger at towing the maximum three and a half tonnes. So that's nice, especially if your effluent is itching to get back out there on the road in yo aluminium three and a half ton porter slum. If you do that using your new V6 Wild Track Introw Compensator, remaining payload will drop to 547 kilos. That's almost not shit. Still pretty tight for a meat-loving Australian family of four and all of that off-road pimp's crap that you don't actually need but which you've been lusting after from those corporate welfare limpets at ARB, however. No word yet on what specific aspects of the vehicle's specifications Ford has decided to fuck up this time around or how much compensation they'll have to offer owners to stay sweet with the ACCC. I am looking forward to that. Those crazy French have flicked the finger at Vlad Pipi in Russia. Renault entertainingly offered Moscow the time-honoured sex and travel foreign investment proposition on Wednesday, in line with prevailing international sanctions. High-level cheese-eaters within the company have slammed the shutters closed on Renault's Moscow plant, and they're currently looking at how they may pull out of their inconvenient stake in Avtovaz without boning those 45,000 Ruski Renault employees too savagely. Was it something Vlad said or did, I wonder? Nazdorovya, and of course the Komitet Kosodastvinoy Bezopaznosti says, G'day, mate. Three Prong has taken a moment away from its grief over the recent sales implosion in order to induct ten of its dealers into its so-called Circle of Excellence Hall of Fame. <laughs> the Circle of Excellence is, of course, kind of like Valhalla to a Viking, only for the truly elite car dealer, monument to compassion and fairness that he typically is. No word yet on whether the ten dealers inducted and imminently to share an ale with three-prong Odin at the big table at the front are also the only 10 dealers in the nation who elected not to sue three-prong for $650 million over the alleged evisceration of their goodwill when three-prong boned them recently, shortly before sales imploded. T-Dub is back for round two now because he cares so deeply about you and the burden of the rising cost of living on you, and he wants to do everything he can to help. To help 
his members, the car importers, make even more money, obviously. The FCAIA, the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industry, assholes, has called for the elimination of what it calls, quote, ineffective and antiquated taxes on Schittsvillian motorists. We're talking fuel excise, license and rego fees, luxury car tax, all gone, just with the stroke of a pen. It's genius stuff. According to an official FCAIA thought bubble, it's going to be replaced by a single road user charge in a kind of tax-on-you shell game. And if you think that's going to be ultimately a better deal for you, dude, should have gone to Specsavers. T-Dub bravely said with a straight face, automotive manufacturers want to work alongside governments that have the courage and foresight to address this issue. I put that quote in this intellectual bulletin because that is actually a piece of unmitigated PR genius. T-dubbed, dude, he really is the Darth Vader of lobby group barrow-pushing bullshit. He just so is. That's not a criticism, incidentally. And for complete disambiguation, bullshit and lies are not the same thing. Just saying. If you'd like to know more, that book, it's definitive. Bullshitters really are artists. Respect. Link in the description. That statement is a genius level communication, like framing the debate so that any government that's not on board with their barrow pushing bullshit doesn't get their reform, whatever. Anyone who disagrees is therefore consigned to a state of cowardice and lacking vision. Well done. Hashtag respect. Maserati has launched yet another irrelevant vehicle aimed once again at the affluent, compulsive masturbator who can't quite afford a Ferrari. It's an SUV called the Grecale. Apparently Stroker was already taken, that's pretty clear. According to lubrication specialists in Italy, the Grecale SUV is, quote, the everyday exceptional. It's pretty hard to argue with that, isn't it? Mainly because it's essentially friggin' meaningless. Not everyone agrees, however. According to Urban Dictionary, paragon of definitive taxonomy that it is, Grecale is a, quote, large intestinal wind that is excreted when the body is put under extreme pressure not to expel the designated wind. Dude, we've all been there. That definitive Grecale moment. We've all had one, meeting the Pope, getting hitched, that first kiss, that knighthood. You can get it standing on the prow or fixing a plough. Matter of fact, I've got it now. Quote, As there is immense pressure prior to wind, follow-through is a frequent side effect. <sighs> oh dear. Clean up in aisle two. Seems oddly appropriate, therefore, that the Grecale 
the Maserati one, not the intestinal one, is also available as a 400-volt EV called the Grecale Folgore. Folgore, of course, in Italian, means silent but deadly. BMW Strayer has appointed a new mini head of marketing. Nikesh Gohil is the new mini head of marketing. Dude, is it just me? Or does Mr. Gohill's head look full size to you? If it's mini, he carries it pretty well. Still, I suppose it is amazing what you can do with a wide angle lens and the right lighting. Senior technical geniuses at Nissan have cleverly invented an autonomous zero slosh countertop ramen noodle delivery vehicle. Yes, kind of like a sushi train, only obviously not a train. No spills. Amazing. Well done, Nissan dudes. According to Nissan, a motorized server tray with E-4 OS tech swiftly delivers ramen and maintains the integrity of noodle presentation by suppressing sloshing and movement from chef to patron. And the world thanks you sincerely, Nissan, for solving one of humanity's most pressing problems. The disintegrity of noodle presentation betwixt chef and patron. Because nothing a bowl of noodles harder than transit that's unsympathetic to viscodynamics and inertia, typically. We've all had that. For Nissan, clearly it was either solving that or unifying quantum physics and relativity. I'm so pleased Nissan R&D chiefs chose wisely. And just when Nissan thought it had achieved peak automotive wank for March, Chinese electro-Swedish Polestar has managed to unify the bespoke ambient soundtracks at all of its retail locations globally. Yes. The unified fat beats at Polestar will henceforth be performed everywhere in the universe by renowned Swedish composer Lisa Nordstrom who, unlike Kid Rock, for example, never met former US President Barack Obama while stoned. <sighs> I could not make this shit up. The Nordstrom Polestar collaboration is also available for you to stream on Spotify, Apple and Amazon, etc. And it could come in quite handy if, for example, you needed to extract... Osama bin Laden's home address from a person who is deeply disinclined to disclose that kind of information and you don't happen to have Celine Dion handy. A few moments of Lisa Nordstrom might just loosen those lips adequately. Like, dude, it's worth a try. I don't know about you, but I was having trouble sleeping owing to my growing concern over whether potential Polestar buyers all three of them, would hear different tunes in different locations around the world. 
But thank God, the living hell of that uncertainty is finally over. And finally, in automotive media news, genius so-called journalists at drive.com.au, formerly Car Advice, but obviously still a division of Costello's cockheads, have decided the Land Rover Defender, which, let's face it, is philosophically actually a Land Rover discovery, like... They've decided that this is the best upper-large SUV that a person might buy. I think more than anything else, this decision serves to highlight the fundamental disconnect between mainstream motoring journalism and the people who actually buy cars. This is an example of the alignment of two really bad incentives. On one hand, you've got a company with second-rate products and third-rate customer service. And on the other, you've got a media company jonesing for advertising revenue, like prepared to do just about anything. And if you doubt my claims about Land Rover, simply Google the following four words. Sally, Morphe, Range, Rover, and enjoy. There's your evidence, dude. Giving that shitbox a car of the year gong is unconscionable in my view. It's tantamount to looking some poor bastard in the eye and telling him that buying a Land Rover is a good idea. It's just not. This is what happens when media organisations and the companies whose products they review get so tightly bound up between the sheets that there's no room for you in the audience or the much-needed perspective that might help inform the decision about whether to buy a particular vehicle or not. And I've driven a shitload of Land Rovers and I've even owned a Defender 110 this century. So I get the brand's appeal. I really do. And they do have awesome breadth of capability when they manage not to take a big steaming dump in their trousers. They're great. But when they do evacuate their digestive tracts in this way, you know, the, the full Grecole moment with follow through, you're fucked, basically. So there's that to consider in the real world. And this kind of thing actually does matter, unfortunately. Also, Toyota must be so utterly thrilled with this decision. <coughs> I think it agree. Because essentially, Drive has just claimed that a Defender is a superior proposition to a 300 series. Oh, what a feeling. Toyota spends money on advertising too, I note, shitloads of it, incidentally, and, of course, hell hath no fury like a market leader scorned. So that might be a really, really fun conversation behind closed doors. I do hope so.